The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. Hey everyone, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next up on The Big Show, we're at episode 41. This one aired December 30th, 1951. And among all the stars we've talked about, somebody that's kind of new here and I don't believe we'll see again is Georgia Gibbs. Georgia Gibbs was born Frida Lipschitz and had a pretty rough childhood. Her father died when she was young. Her mother was poor. And so Georgia Gibbs actually started life, unfortunately, in a Jewish orphanage. Stayed there for a while until her mother got a job, came and got her. But unfortunately, her mother had to work a lot. And so for much of Georgia's childhood, her real companion babysitter was a Philco radio. She started making radio appearances in the early 1940s. Her first solo hit came in 1950, so about a year before her appearance here. The name of that song is If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked a Cake. Where did we go wrong in this country <laughs> that we stopped making cakes for people just for showing up? Like, I'll give you, I'll give you notice. If you want to make me a cake, I'll make you a cake. I'm better at cookies, but I'll make you a cake. No, it's that made me laugh, though. That's such a great title for a song. Her first number one hit, though, came uh, in 1952. That was Kiss of Fire. So she's gaining traction here. She's had some pressure kind of behind the scenes of her career to really latch on to a certain style or to really have a different kind of identity and she wasn't comfortable with any of that but got pushed into essentially copying songs originated by black rhythm and blues singers and this was started in the mid 1950s and so her fame started to come with some notoriety she would record songs that were already hits with a black singer and then she would outsell the black singer and it basically didn't essentially provide anything other than her own voice, but the, the arrangement, the, the songs were the same. And so that there was a lot of animosity toward her because of that. And, and rightfully so. I mean, this is something that still happens even today. I mean, there's a lot more protections in place, but the accusations are still there appropriating somebody else's culture, not just black and white, but appropriating something that really you didn't originate you didn't come up with but you're capitalizing on it and this was rampant in the 50s and rampant in the singing industry for ever since there's been one and in recent years there's actually been kind of a reset on georgia gibbs the vocal talent is being appreciated apart from the controversy that surrounded the, the musical choices her actual voice is getting kind of a some love that's a little bit overdue and so if you've listened to any other show in season two, you've heard ad nauseum Reynolds aluminum ads. There's usually like two or three within the show itself. I think we, most of us know just, I mean, enough about U.S. history. There, World War II, there was this, everything was rationed basically and metal, all metal, scrap metal was used for the war effort. And so Reynolds Metals Company was involved in that, of course, all the U.S. companies were, but they started off before World War II as a foil supplier for cigarette packaging, and that actually made sense because the founder was R.S. Reynolds, and he was the nephew of R.J. Reynolds, who was one of the first tobacco barons, so basically he got seed money from Uncle R.J. to make foil packaging for cigarettes, so it was all, you know, 
family circle stuff. The first competitive edge, though, that the Reynolds company had for production of aluminum was they had a single story facility that laid out the process in sequence, whereas their competitors actually had multi-story buildings. And so they would do one step, everything would have to be packed up and moved to the next floor and the next floor and the next floor. So that's some time and money that could be saved in the Reynolds company. And that's where they started to immediately gain traction. Even during the Great Depression, they were expanding where most businesses and people were unfortunately crashing hard, but they were able to keep expanding into foil packaging markets. Then in 1937, they observed German production capabilities of aluminum were more than twice that of the US, England, and France combined. And what that told them was Germany was preparing for war because aluminum sheets were being used for military airplanes at that point. And so to to see the large scale production of aluminum inspired them to go back to the US and ramp up their production. And they did it just astronomically. But here we are post-World War II. It's 1951. Uh, the war's been over for a few years. It, what these ads feel like to me, other than I just, <laughs> a classic marketing stuff is always fascinating. But what really sticks out to me is this feels like kind of the um, giving America permission to just use stuff again. Like, hey, you know, you couldn't, all your scrap metal for years came you know, to the war effort. Uncle Sam thanks you for that. But now you go win the battle at home in your kitchens. Use aluminum foil. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, the permission to just consume. So they completely pivoted post-World War II into that consumer consumption and construction marketing. 1947, just a few years before this show, the introduction of household aluminum foil was introduced. Uh, They invented the all-aluminum beverage cans, and Reynolds started one of the very first recycling programs, National Recycling Program. Bring in your aluminum, we'll give you money. So it's it's impactful. Like, this is the start of kind of more of that consumer focus for a lot of companies. It's like, y'all did your war effort, now get something for yourself, make your lives easier. Thank you. You know, it's open season on buying stuff again. (laughs) Like, that's what it feels like to me. Just a little history lesson there. If you want to grab your aluminum foil, put on a a cute tinfoil hat and listen to Georgia Gibbs. uh, This is the show for you from December 30th, 1951. This is the big show. The National Broadcasting Company presents the big show. The first half hour presented by the makers of Reynolds Aluminum, the Reynolds Metals Company. And starring the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. For the next hour and 30 minutes, you will be entertained by some of the biggest names in show business. Such bright stars as... Fred Allen. Joan Davis. Georgia Gibbs. Holly Goldberg. Portland Hoffa. Johnny Johnston. Jackie Miles. Meredith Wilson. And my name, darlings, is Tallulah Bankhead.
Well, darlings, one more day and we'll be starting a new year, 1952. And it's leap year. You know that old saying, look before you leap. Well, girls, we've had four years to look. <laughs> Now's the time to leap. <laughs> They give us four years to shop around. Don't you love the shopping? <laughs> But the most fun is in exchanging. One nice thing about leap year is that if you were born on February the 29th, you have a birthday every four years. Now, a friend of mine was born February the 29th, Uh, she'll be 10 years old this coming year. <laughs> And the marvelous thing about it is that she has a 17-year-old son. <laughs> And when they go to the movies, he gets her in for half price. <laughs> oh, of course, I wasn't that lucky to be born in a leap year, so I could have a birthday every four years, but, uh, oh, I don't mind. Every three years has worked out well enough for me. <laughs> but an especially nice thing about leap year is that it gives me an extra day with our darling sponsor, Reynolds Aluminum. Well, for this particular day, Miss Bankhead, let's suppose we're standing at the aluminum elevator doors of a big department store, McGimsey's Fifth Avenue. We just dropped in to exchange a few odd Christmas gifts. All right, here we go. Second floor, house furnishings. Aluminum tableware, candlesticks, lamps, clocks, household appliances. Third floor, closet and bathroom shop. Aluminum hamper and wastebasket sets. Fixtures, bathroom scales, closet accessories. Fourth floor, McGimsey's model house. Reynolds aluminum windows, gutters, reflective insulation. Didn't we tell you it's the age of aluminum? Reynolds aluminum. Fifth floor, merchandise exchanges and complaints. No aluminum. Imagine that. No aluminum. <laughs> my pets, we have quite a cast of guest stars this week. I thought you might be interested to know something about their backgrounds. So, I asked each of them to write a short biographical sketch. I told them to include everything. Where they made their first hit, where they got the bird, how they got to be what they are, what they hope they to be. Is that right? What they hope to be? That's right, what they hope to be. So here they are to tell you all about the birds and the bees. And our first guest, Molly Goldberg, wrote this brief account. Goldberg Molly. Real name, Molly Goldberg. <laughs> Alias Mrs. Jacob Goldberg. Identification mark, small mole on my forehead. Uh, education, PS 82 Night School. Uh, graduated 1942 with full military honors. <laughs> It was during World War II. And, um, and my best subject, punctuation. <laughs> If anybody in the class needed a puncture, they came to me. Uh, delivered the graduation day speech and received my sheepskin. Uh, mouton lamb. The mouton lamb will never get you in trouble, darling. It's mink you've got to watch out for. <laughs> Well, our next guest biography seems to belong to Georgia Gibbs. Gibbs, Georgia. I was named after a state, Alabama. <laughs> Identification mark, small mole over eye. Graduate of the Juilliard School of Waitresses. <laughs> Worked in a drive-in outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. Discovered by a talent scout and sent to Hollywood. Worked in a drive-in in Hollywood. <laughs> Appeared with Danny Kaye until he went off radio. 
appeared with Jimmy Durante until he went off radio. <laughs> Appearing tonight on The Big Show. Good luck, Tallulah. <laughs> if there's a talent scout for a drive-in in the audience, what are you all waiting for? <laughs> well, our next guest to write her biography is Portenhofer. Hopper, Portland. I was named after a city. Hopper, Wyoming. <laughs> Identification mark, small mole on ear. Started in show business and musical comedy where I met and married a promising young comedian. Been married to him 22 years and he hasn't kept his promise. <laughs> Favorite actor, Fred Allen. Favorite writer, Fred Allen. Favorite dancer, Fred Allen. Favorite comedian, Doodles Weaver. <laughs> oh, darling, she's only kidding, of course. Everybody knows who her favorite comedian is, Pinky Lee. <laughs> and now our next guest, oh, it's by that wonderful young comic, Jackie Miles. Miles Jackie. Real name inconsequential, but changed it to Jackie Miles. <laughs> Because who can spell inconsequential? <laughs> Identification mark, small mole on cheek. Enlisted U.S. Army June 1st, 1942. Discharged June 1st, 1942. <laughs> I didn't like it. Enlisted U.S. Navy June 2nd, 1942. Discharged June 2nd, 1942. I didn't like it. Enlisted June 3rd, 1942. The Wax. Discharged June 3rd, 1942. They didn't like it. <laughs> Entered Army Hospital June 4th, 1942. Battle fatigue. <laughs> June 5th, served Coast Guard cutter. I cut uniforms for the Coast Guard. <laughs> After war, went to college for three months under the GI Bill. Was expelled. Suddenly, a new rule. They said air raid wardens were not considered veterans. <laughs> Did he say battle fatigue or bottle fatigue? <laughs> Our next guest wrote his biography, Johnny Johnston. Johnston, Johnny. When I was a child, I broke open my piggy bank, took the money, and left home. The money I stole from my piggy bank started me on my career, and I wind up tonight on the big show. Crime does not pay. <laughs> Education? Extremely bright in school, went to grammar school, got out in six years. High school, got out in three years. Went to college and played basketball. Got out in 90 days. <laughs> Identification mark, small mole on chin. Are they sure that's a mole? It keeps moving, doesn't it? <laughs> well, now we come to our next guest, Fred Allen. Allen Fred, born Boston, Massachusetts. But changed name to Fred Allen because who can spell Massachusetts? <laughs> First appeared with a large tomato as an amateur on a stage in Boston. That night, a star was born. Catherine Cornell opened in a theater across the street. <laughs> 25 years ago, I started in television. I made a movie which is now being shown. <laughs> then came musical comedy, vaudeville, and poverty, after which I went into a new medium called radio. After many years of hard work, a star was born. Stop the Music opened on a network across the street. <laughs> the industry was growing and so was I. I was growing a small mole on my left shoulder. <laughs> then came television. The night I opened on television, a lot of stars were born. Movies became better than ever. 
time Fred starts a new medium, a star is born. Fred Allen, midwife. <laughs> it was bring us to our final star, Joan Davis. Davis, Joan. My parents were well-to-do, but I changed my name to Joan Davis. <laughs> Favorite football player, Glenn Davis. Favorite orchestra leader, Meyer Davis. Favorite news commentator, Elmer Davis. Favorite movie actress, Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> I had to change that name, too. <laughs> I was born in a house with a sunken living room. I broke into show business in a circus. I was on exhibit as the only baby born with a sunken living room. <laughs> Identification mark, a mole on, uh, a mole over, uh, mole on... No identification, Mark. <laughs> That's all there is. There isn't any more. Well, darlings, as you know on this show, we try every week to bring you a new face. And this week, we are fortunate to have a new face. But that's for later. Right now, here's an old, old face, Joan Davis. <laughs> old face, huh? Well, it takes one to know one. <laughs> Joan, I was so surprised to find you on our show this week. Why, what do you mean, surprised? I phoned you four times during the past week. Didn't you get my messages? Oh, was that you, darling? Well, the messages just said, uh, a Miss Davis called. Well, I thought, uh, so I just didn't bother. <laughs> uh, by the way, Joan, how did you happen to come to New York? Oh, well, I came to spend New Year's Eve here. Uh, what are you doing New Year's Eve to live like? Oh, my dear, Joan, it's just too hectic for words, darling. There have been so many invitations, I just don't know which one to accept. Yeah, nobody asked me out either. <laughs> Oh, come now, Joan, you must be joking. Why wouldn't anybody take you out? Yeah, come to think of it, I, I am beautiful. <laughs> well, not really beautiful, but attractive. Well, a girl doesn't have to be too attractive as long as she's got personality. And I certainly got, uh, well, I'm a good dancer. <laughs> that is, I can sit out dances because a man likes a woman who's a brilliant conversationalist, and I certainly know how to sit. <laughs> Well, most men don't like smart women anyway. And as long as they're well-dressed, and you certainly have to admit, I always look, well, uh, this is a dress. <laughs> and I, uh, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come to think of it, why would a man want to take me out? <laughs> oh, now, Joan, you mustn't give up so easily. You've got to plan these things. I know I'm going to have a date New Year's Eve. I'm planning to have dinner at the colony. Then I'm going to see the king and I. Then I plan to go to the Waldorf for some dancing. Now, the trick for me is to find a man who's planning to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It sounds like a good plan, but you know what they say. The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. And what's the matter with going astray, darling? <laughs> That plan would work out for me. Oh, but Joan, it must work out. In this world, for every girl there's a man, and for every man there's a girl. Well, somewhere there's a girl with two fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joan, 
I wouldn't worry too much about it After all After all, suppose you did find a man And he starts taking you out And telling you how beautiful you are And starts sending you flowers and perfume And taking you to dinner and dances And tells you he loves you And plies you with caviar and champagne And then suddenly, one day He walks out on you and you're left all alone Well, that's the end well, that may be the end, but wow, all that stuff in between. <laughs> Joe, no matter what you got, it wouldn't be worth it. Are you kidding? I went with a fellow once who sent me a mink coat. Real mink? No, mink died. Well, we all have to go sometime. <laughs> and while we're going, let's go over to our darling sponsor, the Reynolds Metals Company, who tells us what a bright and lusty year it will be in aluminum. Well, Miss Bankhead, we have just seen a year of historic progress in aluminum, but there's even greater progress underway for 1952 and 53. The new Reynolds aluminum plant, now nearing completion at Corpus Christi, Texas, will raise Reynolds production from this year's record to 635 million pounds. And further expansion, already started, will reach a yearly production rate of 829 million pounds in 1953. Just to give you something to measure by, that last figure for Reynolds alone is almost three times the output of this whole country before World War II. With Reynolds' new Corpus Christi plant, there will be some remarkable innovations. The aluminum ore, the bauxite, will come directly by ship from Reynolds' own mines in nearby Jamaica. The richest known deposits. And Corpus Christi will process the ore completely to alumina and then to aluminum. To you, this mounting supply of Reynolds aluminum will mean, first, a stronger America. A stronger defense for your safety and your freedoms. And it will bring closer the day when your civilian needs can all be met. That is the goal of Reynolds, one of America's great producers of aluminum. Well, darling, now a new face, a bright new face with voice to match. Recently, he co-starred on Broadway with Shirley Booth and A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Ladies and gentlemen, the handsome young singing star, Johnny Johnston. Hi, Tallulah. How's the girl? Oh, isn't he sweet? <laughs> that's the nicest thing that's been said to me on this program. He's going to be a cinch. Uh, what are you doing New Year's Eve? Well, Miss Bankhead, I... Oh, Johnny, you don't have to call me Miss. Oh, okay. Well, Bankhead, I... <laughs> He's handsome and stupid. A perfect combination. It's too good to be true. Well, Johnny, what are you doing New Year's Eve? Well, I had thought of going on the town. Didn't have anything particular in mind. Hadn't asked anybody to come along yet. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> He must be too young. I better throw him back. But New Year's Eve is only one night away. Uh, well, Johnny, how about you and I going on the town together? Sure. This kid is normal. Uh, well, Johnny, I'll be rehearsing here tomorrow night, you know. So why don't you meet me in my dressing room at 7 and we'll have dinner, huh? Well, I, I hadn't planned on starting that early. Well, then I have dinner alone, and you can pick me up at the restaurant, and we'll go to the theater about 8.30, huh? Well, I was expecting a business call at 9. Well, all right, then. I'll go to the theater alone, and I'll meet you off the plate at 11 o'clock in front of the theater. Yeah, but the streets are pretty jammed on New Year's Eve. 
I like him with a little fight, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> well then, darling, I'll meet you at the Waldorf and we'll go dancing. Oh, but I have to call home long distance and wish the folks a happy new year. That takes some time to get through. Okay. I'll meet you at the Waldorf after the dance at two o'clock. Well, I couldn't do that. I have another date then. Oh, you have? That's real swell. That's a great date we had. Well, what are you sore about? You had dinner, you went to the theater, you went dancing at the Waldorf. I don't see what you're complaining about. You see how easy it is to get a date? Look, kid, you came here to sing. Sing! Well, I'd be glad to sing. I'd like to sing one of the current hits, Domino. Melody some music from this lad, if you please, and don't be surprised if he doesn't show up. <laughs> Domino, Domino, you're an angel that heaven has sent me. Domino, Domino, you're a devil designed to torment me when your heart must know that I love you so. Tell me why, tell me why, why do you make me cry, Domino? Just one look in your eyes and I melt with desire. Just a touch of your hand and I burst into fire. And my whole world fills with music when I'm lost in your embrace but I know that you're fickle and I'm not misled each attractive new face that you see turns your head and it scares me that tomorrow someone else may take my place Domino desert me, Domino, Domino, if you stay I don't care how you hurt me, fate has made you so, you can't change, I know, you can't change, though you try, but then neither can I, Domino. Yes, I know that you're fickle, and I'm not misled. Each attractive new face that you see turns your head. And it scares me that tomorrow someone else may take my place. has made you so you can't change I know you can't change though you try but then neither can I Domino Domino Domino, Domino. 
forgive anything that you do. Domino, Domino, nothing matters if I Johnny, oh Johnny, how you can sing, oh Johnny, oh Johnny. Uh, what, uh, what's the matter, Tallulah? Why are you crying? <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm singing, Fred Allen. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> you mean the controversy? <laughs> well, I thought it was funny crying with lyrics. It just upset <laughs> me at the moment. Well, Fred. You just came back from Hollywood. How are things in California? Well, Tallulah, California is growing so rapidly you wouldn't believe it. San Fernando Valley is growing so fast that I heard about a man out there who was run over by a town <laughs> as he was going through the valley. Another small village got a oh, ticket no, for going me, up the road too fast. Well, I look like, let's get back to the script. Oh. How did your picture come out? We were never married. Who, who else is in it with you? Oh, practically everybody, Tallulah. Ginger Rogers, Louis Calhern, Eddie Bracken, Walter Brennan, Victor Moore, Paul Douglas, Jan Sterling, Jane Darwell, Hope Emerson. Say, if everybody who is in the picture goes to see it, they will make a fortune. <laughs> this one picture doesn't need the public, just the people who are in it can... Well, did you have a good time there, Fred? Well, I almost enjoyed it, Tallulah, but all the time I was out there, one thing worried me. I didn't know what to get you for Christmas. Oh, you shouldn't have worried about that, Fred. You could have sent me just a, um... Oh, you didn't have to get me a present. Well, I know, but how would your stocking look hanging there empty? <laughs> but I did, I did finally, and what a problem it was figuring out what to give you. First, I thought I'd, I'd give you money. Oh, you shouldn't have. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I had thought of sending you $10,000. Oh, you shouldn't have. Then I remembered you already had $10,000. And I also remembered that I didn't. <laughs> so then I thought you might send me $10,000. <laughs> so I waited. Oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> now I know. But what to get for Tallulah? There I was in a dilemma. For a while, I thought I'd send you that. But I remembered you already had one. <laughs> So that night when I came home, I asked Portland. I said, Portland? Yes, Fred? We, uh, we had a lot of people at the house that night, and they applauded Portland. They thought she was the floor show. <laughs> Portland, uh, what shall I get Tallulah for a Christmas present? Tallulah who? Well, you can see that was more trouble. Because who was I to try to explain to Lula Bankhead when everybody else has been having trouble doing it? So I tried again. I said, Portland? Yes, Fred? Company stayed late that night. They thought we had more cold cuts. I thought they'd never go home. Portland, I have got to get to Lula a Christmas present. What shall I get her? Well, Portland was right on the ball. Uh, how about giving her the Holland Tunnel? Oh, Portland, you know that's silly. She already has a Holland Tunnel. 
You've heard her sing. <laughs> well, how about a streetcar? Well, she has no desire for a streetcar. <laughs> well, how about a steamship? A big one with three stacks. Well, she's already well stacked. <laughs> I have it. Eureka! No, no perfume. <laughs> well, how about giving her Niagara Falls? Say, Niagara Falls. What an idea. So, Tallulah, I decided to give you Niagara Falls. No, you shouldn't have. Well, I didn't. They just couldn't wrap up all that water. Gift wrap it. They could have wrapped it in a plain pe- bundle, but I wanted it gift wrapped, and they just couldn't do it. Well, after another day of cogitation which is a small place outside of Buffalo. (laughs) I again consulted with Portland. I said, Portland... Yes, Fred? The the company had finally gone home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, read some of the blank stuff. That works out well. (laughs) Portland, I said, I still don't know what to get to Lula. Well, why not get her one of those blue low-slung convertibles? Say, what an idea. Just a gift for you, Tallulah, a blue, low-slung convertible. Oh, Fred, you shouldn't have. Well, I didn't. I I figured if you went riding in the low-slung car with the top down, you'd catch a bad head cold and you'd start sneezing and your eyes would be running. So here is your Christmas gift. Oh, you shouldn't have. But I did. Here you are, Tallulah, a handkerchief. You shouldn't have, and I really mean you shouldn't have. I have already got a handkerchief. So you, you see, Portland, whatever you buy to Lula, she, oh, she's already got one. It's just a waste of all things. <laughs> well, something that you could have bought me that I can always use more of is Reynolds Aluminum. And speaking of Reynolds, the Reynolds Metals Company has a special message for the penultimate night of the year. That's the night before the loss to you. Thank you, Miss Bankhead. To all of you, when you sing Old Lang Syne tomorrow night, we hope you're surrounded by good friends, by old acquaintances who should not be forgot. That's the human side of living. But in material things, what you look for always is the new, the better way, which means aluminum. Light, strong, rust-proof aluminum. So at this year's end, may your sentiments be old-fashioned and your ways be bright and modern. Happy New Year from the Reynolds Metals Company, pioneers of progress through aluminum. Well, darlings, we have another singer this week who makes her first appearance on the big show. This young lady is one of the country's top recording stars and has just recently returned from a series of smash appearances in London and Paris. This petite and talented song stylist sings for us tonight her latest recording success, Cry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's her nibs, Miss Georgia Gill. <laughs> Meredith, strike up the band, if you please, darling. Sends a letter 
of goodbye It's no secret You'll feel better If you cry When waking From a bad dream Don't you sometimes Think it's real But it's only False emotion That you feel If your heart Seem to hang around Too long And your blue Keep getting bluer With each song Sunshine can be found Behind a cloudy sky So let your head down And go on And cry If your Seem to hang around too long And your blue keep getting bluer With each song Remember sunshine Behind a cloudy sky So let your head down And go Come here, darling. I want to talk about your voice. Uh, where'd you get that dress? <laughs> well, what's my dress got to do with my voice? Well, you sing from deep down in your heart just where your dress begins. <laughs> well, it's a good thing your dress doesn't begin from where your voice comes. <laughs> Now, look here, Georgia. Let's not be nasty. I only meant to compliment your singing. I'm sorry it didn't come out the way I meant it. It's like my singing voice. It starts out so clear, and it comes out so foggy. Well, I'm sorry I jumped at you, Tallulah. Oh, that's quite all right, darling. And I want to add that my New Year's wish for you is that your new record of Cry sells as many coppers as my record of I'll Be Seeing You. Now who's being nasty? Now, just a minute, you. I'll have you know that my recording of I'll Be Seeing You sold over a million copies. 
Over a million? I don't believe it. Well, if you don't believe me, you can ask Frankie Lane. His recording of Jezebel is on the other side. <laughs> Tallulah, I bought a record of I'll Be Seeing You. Oh, did you, Molly uh -huh. Goldberg? <laughs> there, you see. Georgia, even Mrs. Goldberg bought one of my records. One? <laughs> if I had a penny for every record of yours I bought to Lula, I'd have her. I don't know, three, four cents. <laughs> oh, darling, you bought all my records. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. You see, they're all the same record. I'll be seeing you. The, the first two we bought, we, we, we thought were cracked. Then we found out it wasn't the record. <laughs> what? We found out the trouble was with the phonograph. Oh, that's better, though. And, 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 but any other records, my phonograph plays very, very beautifully. But the minute we put on one of your records, I don't know, like premeditation. <laughs> so something, something happens to the machine. Molly, I thought you were a fan of mine. Why, oh, please, Tallulah, darling, am I a fan? <laughs> Look at me, have you got a bigger fan? <laughs> I'm glad to say I haven't. Not, not one program of yours did I miss, darling. Every Sunday night when your show is on, my house is overflowing with people. Oh. I have to take the radio into the kitchen to listen to it. <laughs> you did it again, Molly, please. Oh, darling, what did I do, darling? What did I do? Don't cry. Crying makes me weep. Please, darling, please, yeah. I, I told you how much I like your program. <laughs> like, like is a word. Some things on your program I love, I love beyond endurance. You see, that's something you should make. You should make a record of your programs. You know, I would adore to hear them. I would indeed. Well, that's one thing about radio, Molly. You do something and it disappears. Every Sunday's an opening night, no long runs. Ah, oh, but wait a minute, Molly, you give me an idea. A wonderful idea. Since this is the end of the year, why not review some of the high spots of our series? Yeah, review. We might be able to recapture some of the excitement and gaiety of earlier programs. Uh-huh, yeah, re recapture. So what do you say we go in for a little a recapitulation? Huh? Re um, yeah, re review. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Now, just give me a moment to ring my chimes, will you, darling? Yeah, review. Uh, this is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. This is The Big Show, Act Two, and here again is Tallulah, about to review some of the high spots of the 1951 season. Well, thank you, Ed Hurley High, Ed Hurley Ho, Ed Hurley, oh, whatever it is. Well, Molly, uh, what would you like to hear first? Well, one program I remember like it was just a year ago. When was it? A year ago. <laughs> 365 days to the penny. It was New Year's Eve. I remember it was New Year's Eve because my Rosalie, my youngest offspring, you remember, you met Rosalie, my child. Well, she's emerging now from her adolescent age. And, and you see, she's going to parties now. And at the last moment when she put on her, her party dress, she found a spot on her new dress. So I told her to wear her old party dress, and lo and behold, she found a spot on the old dress. So what is the outgrowth of such a situation? <laughs> what don't a mother do for a child? So I had to wash two dresses. So when your New Year's Eve show was on the radio and everybody was celebrating, I was standing by the sink, wringing out the old and wringing in the new. <laughs> I know what you 
you mean, darling? A woman's work is never done. While other people are having fun, I'm standing here over this hot microphone, <laughs> waiting for you to tell me what you'd like to hear again. Well, uh, that was the night you did a dance on the radio. A dance? Oh, Molly. Oh, I know. You mean when I read Dorothy Parker's The Waltz. Oh, yeah, The Waltz. That's right. Well, it happens to everybody, and Dorothy Parker captured the mood so perfectly in her amusing little piece. You know how it is, darlings. At one of those impossibly crowded dances, you're standing there, and the music starts. And suddenly you see a man coming toward you, and you know you're trapped. Dance? Oh, I certainly... I adore you. What did I say yes for? I don't want to dance with this character. I don't want to dance with anybody. Even if I did, it wouldn't be with this one. I've seen the way he dances. It looks like something you do around a campfire in the jungle when you weigh a head on panther juice. Just think, not ten minutes ago, I was sitting there with my heart bleeding for the poor dame he was dancing with. Now I'm elected. Well, well, isn't it a small world? And you can have it, too. A little dreamboat of a world. Its events are so unpredictable, are they not? There I was, minding my own business, not harming a living soul, and then this dopey Don Juan has to come into my life, all smiles and city manners to sue me for the favor of one passionate poker. Why, he scarcely knows my name, let alone what it stands for. It stands for despair, bewilderment, futility, mayhem, manslaughter, and a solid murder, corporated and unincorporated. But little does he what. Well, I won't what his name either. I haven't the faintest idea what it is. Jukes would be my guess from looking at his eyes. How do you do, Mr. Jukes? And how is that dear little brother of yours with two heads? <laughs> what can you say when a man asks you to dance with him? I most certainly will not dance with you. I'll see you drop dead first. Oh, I thank you. I'd like to awfully, but I'm about to throw a fit. <laughs> oh, yes, do let's dance together. It's so nice to meet a man who isn't a scary cat about catching my berry berry. <laughs> no, there was nothing for me to do but say I'd adore it. Well, we might as well get it over with. Now I know how furniture feels on moving day. Okay, cannonball. Let's run out on the field. You won the toss. You lead. What? Oh, I, uh, I, I, I think it's more of a waltz, really. Isn't it? Well, we might just listen to the music a second. Shall we? Oh, yes, it's a waltz. Mine? Why, I'm simply thrilled. I'd love to waltz with you. I'd love to waltz with you. I'd love to have my tonsils cut out. <laughs> I'd love to be hit on the head with an atom bomb. Well, it's too late now. We're underway. Why didn't I ask him to sit this out? We'll be sitting on the floor in a minute if this keeps up anyway. It's a good thing I warned him this is a waltz. I bet if I told him it was a rumba, we'd have made a touchdown in Times Square. <laughs> Why does he always want to be somewhere that he isn't? Why can't we stay long enough in one place to get to know the neighbors? It's this constant rush, 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 rush. That's the curse of American life. That's the reason we're all so... Ah! <laughs> you have to kick, idiot. 
Oh, my poor shin. My poor little shin. I've had it ever since I was a little girl. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Goodness, no. It didn't hurt the least bit. And anyway, it was all my fault. No, really, it was, truly. Oh, you're just being sweet to say that. It really was all my fault. I wonder what I should do. Throttle him this instant with my naked hands. I'll let him have a stroke and drop in his tracks. <laughs> Maybe it's best not to make a scene. I guess I'll just lie low and let him burn himself out. <laughs> he can't keep this up indefinitely. He's only human. Hmm, I wonder. I don't want to be of the oversensitive type, but you can't tell me that that kick was unpremeditated. When it comes to kicking, I am outraged womanhood. When you kick me in the shin, smile. I bet he grew up in the hill country. I bet they had to throw him on his back to get his shoes on. What? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's lovely. No, really, it's simply lovely. It's the loveliest waltz I ever heard, isn't it? I think it's lovely, too. Sure. Much to me if I have to spend the next two years in a plaster cast. <laughs> oh, well, who wants to live forever? Dance, little gypsy, dance while you can. I wonder if the band leader shoots you when you break a leg. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh, he's all right, thank goodness. For a while, I felt I'd have to carry him off the field. Oh, I couldn't bear to have anything happen to him. Ow! Get off my instep, you hulking peasant. What do you think I am anyway, a gangplank? Ah! <laughs> oh, no, of course not. It didn't hurt. My... No, it didn't a bit, honestly. It was all my fault, you see, that... Uh... Well, that little step of yours, well, it's perfectly lovely, but it, uh, it, it's just a tiny bit tricky to follow it first. Oh, did you work it up yourself? <laughs> oh, you really did? Well, aren't you amazing? Oh, no, now I think I've got it. Oh, oh no, I think it's lovely. I was watching you when you were dancing before. It's awfully effective when you look at it. It's awfully effective when you look at me, too, I bet. I must look like something out of the fall of the House of Usher. <laughs> this sort of thing takes a fearful toll of a woman my age. And he worked up his little step himself. He and his degenerate cunning. <laughs> well, I'm past all feeling now. I didn't know what trouble was until I got drawn to this dance macabre. <laughs> I think... I think my mind's beginning to wander. It almost seemed as if the music was stopping. It couldn't be, of course. The governor refused to sign the reprieve. <laughs> what? Stopped? Oh, they have stopped the mean things. They're not going to play anymore. Oh, you darling. Do you really think they would? You really think so? If you gave them $20? Oh, that would be lovely. And look, do tell them to play the same thing. I'd simply adore to go on waltzing. Well, Molly, that approximated dance I recently went to, and what a dance, soaking my head and my feet. Luckily, I didn't sit out too many dances. Uh, excuse me, Tallulah. Yes, Fred. Oh, you know Mrs. Goldberg, don't you, Fred? 
Uh, of course. How do you do, Mrs. G? <laughs> Always joking. Yeah. Mr. Allen, I must tell you how marvelous you are. Yeah. You're more fun than a barrel. Really? <laughs> Depending on what's in it, of course. But uh, what I started out to say to Lula is that I enjoyed your little dance. But would you give Johnny Johnston and me a chance to show you what your dancing partner was thinking on that dance floor? I smell a monologue coming up, but go ahead. Well, you smelled up a monologue. <laughs> give us a chance. <laughs> Come on, Johnny. Okay, Fred. Meredith, give these two jitterbugs some dance music. Fred. Yes, Johnny. See anything you like? Oh, I don't know. They're not getting as sharp a crowd as they used to here at Roseland. <laughs> and the music is louder, too. That castanet soloist overdoing it. No, there's only two left that aren't dancing. Which one do you like? How about the mousy one with the neon sign on her back that lights up and spells Tallulah? Eh, <laughs> uh, I'd rather dance with that truck driver. He looks nicer. Oh, shoot, somebody got him. Hell, I have to dance with her, I guess. Dance? Get a load of that voice. Oh, brother. That's who she sounds like, my brother. What are they playing? It's a waltz, miss. They're playing a waltz, but this kid's doing the Big Apple. And she's the type that leads. What's that? No, no, I'm not married. No, I've never been married. Yes, I'm single. Unmarried, yes. Yes, I've, well, I've thought about getting married if, if the right girl came along. Miss Wright, you know, oh, what a grip on this kid. She's clutching me like men are going out of style. She's so hard to push around. She must have lead in her wedgies. And that makeup she's wearing must weigh as much as she does. I feel as though I'm dancing with her and Max Factor. Oh, there must be some way I can get rid of this dame. Maybe I ought to kick her in the shins. I think I will kick her in the shins. She'll never notice. She has knobs on her shins already. <laughs> the way she dances, if I kick her, it'll look like an accident. How can I kick her? She's standing on both my feet. <laughs> she must be a drummer for corn plasters or something. I wish the orchestra would stop playing. I thought I saw her slip the orchestra leader 20 bucks. If somebody would only cut in. Oh, here comes somebody now. Please, please, let him come over here and cut in. He's heading right towards us. Here he comes. I'll hide her face till he gets here. <laughs> He's here. He wants to cut in. May I cut in? Of course. Thank you. Uh, you dance divinely. Thank you. You're so much easier to follow than she is. Wonderful Fred and Johnny. Thank you, darling. 
Did you enjoy hearing that again, Molly? Lulith was beautiful. Oh, is that Mr. Allen a comedian? Superlative. <laughs> He's got so many jokes, it's not even funny. Fred, she said it, I didn't. You know, Tallulah, what I would like to hear on your program also? Music. Oh, you want me to sing? No, music. <laughs> my, my preference is a duet. Oh, we've had many duets on the big show, and we happen to have two very fine singers this week to give us a duet. How about Johnny Johnson and Georgie Gibbs singing The Old Soft Shoe? What do you say, kids? Meredith, darling, if you please. When me and my Alice was playing the palace in 25, there wasn't a word of we never had heard of this thing called jive. When we got the chance to go into our dance, there was just one dance alive. We gave him the old soft shoe. There wasn't a number suggesting a rumba on all the bill. And as for the conga of Madame Lazanga, it just was nil. They'd all of them paid in the balcony trade Wouldn't leave their seats until We gave them the old soft shoe I'm ready for you I'm ready for you Oh, well then, uh, what are we waiting for? Son, I ain't waiting for no one Say, give me that old soft shoe I said, the old soft shoe A one A two A, a doodly doodly do Play me mm. that old and nothing else will do uh, That's the dance my darling used to do Say we sang love's refrain Just like a vaudeville team Danced the whole night through We had the cutest routine Strolling lovers lane Weren't my bonnets a scream We harmonize and doodly doodly do I give me that she said the old soft shoe A one A two A, a doodly doodly do Calling me mm. that old soft shoe And up the else will do That's the dance my darling used to do uh, Tell me, Georgia Yeah? I understand you went to see Albert Einstein How'd you find him? Oh, I just pushed back his hair and there he was <laughs> <laughs> Say, Johnny, no, I saw that panhandle stop you on the street uh, What do you want? Well, he said, uh, can you give me a bite? And what did you do? I bit him. Wowee! <laughs> Say, back in olden days. Why, you were the king of them all. Soft shoe of the craze. You were the belle of the ball in our one-horse shade. Goggles and dusters and all. We harmonize and doodly-doodly-doo. I give it that she said the old soft shoe A one A two A doodly doodly do Play me that old soft shoe And nothing else will do That's the dance my darling used to do That's the dance my darling used to do Say, Johnny, how long we been on here, huh? Well, we've done our nine minutes, I think. Let's go down to the corner and get down to that blue plate. I'm just about ready, Go, 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 go. Uh, that's the dance my darling used to do. Yes. That was divine, darling. Thanks, Johnny and Georgia. 
Thanks, Johnny and Georgia. Yes. Bravo, darlings, bravo. Uh, uh, no, Molly, I'm sorry, but that's pronounced bravo. Bravo? No, that'd be like you said it, no. You see, if you live, you learn. Uh, what would you like to hear next, Molly? Well, I was thinking, you know, one program I remember I enjoyed tremendously. You were sick that week. <laughs> I haven't missed one show since we've been on the air. Oh, you were on the show, Tallulah Lee. You were done. Mind you, as sick as you were, you were on the show. That's what I admire about you. You are so brave. That's <laughs> brave, darling. Brave? For you, it's brave. For me, it's brave. <laughs> well, darling, I remember the week you mean. That was when I had virus X. My temperature was perfectly normal, 110. But those ghastly medicines they gave me, not so much the medicine, the water they made me swallow with it. <laughs> uh, this virus thing leaves you so weakened. Uh, when the doctor turned on that little spotlight to look into my throat, I was so weak I could hardly take a bow. But I thought I played the whole scene rather well. Some of my friends from the theater who came to visit me applauded spontaneously when I had a coughing spasm. And wouldn't you know that one of my best actress friends tried to steal the scene from me? I didn't mind her at all. But one of the other girls who came to visit just took the whole play away from me. What a conniving thing to do. In the middle of one of my most dramatic coughs, she has a baby. <laughs> but oh well, being ill had its brighter side too. Friends came to visit me, little gifts. Joan Davis came over. I brung you something, Tallulah. Oh, thank you, Joan. Here's a tin of chocolates. Ah, oh, you're so sweet, Joan. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You'll find they're gentle and fast acting. <laughs> Joan, please, uh, let's take it easy. I'm not feeling my best yet. My throat's still somewhat hoarse. How can you tell? <laughs> it always happens. When I tell people I have laryngitis, I get no sympathy at all. Well, I've been very sick myself since I came here from Hollywood. Oh, I am so sorry, darling. I wish you'd have told me. My doctor just marvelous. Oh, I had a doctor. He's a theatrical doctor. Charges four eighty a visit. <laughs> That's with amusement tags, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I had a wonderful nurse. Bathed my brow, catered to my every wish, held my hand. What a wonderful nurse. I sure hated to see him go. <laughs> oh, you don't sound as if you were very sick. My blood pressure reached a high 42. 42? <laughs> At its highest, I owe him 12 points. <laughs> and not only that, but I have neuritis in every one of my 10 fingers. Really, darling? Well, I have neuritis in nine fingers, and in my 10th finger, I have bursitis. And besides that, I have a cough I can feel way down in my lungs. <laughs> lungs? Who's got lungs? <laughs> and here's something else. Did you know I have a silver plate in my head? I have service for six. <laughs> Top that. Five years ago, I died. <laughs> well, I died ten years ago. Yeah, I saw you in lifeboat. <laughs> Well, but if you're trying to make a contest out of it, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, stand back. I will now run my temperature up to 110. A measly 110, why, Joan? Where I come from, that's a newborn babe. A newborn babe. Hey, that's an idea. Maybe I. And not here, you won't. <laughs> you might as well face it, Joan. Anything you can do, I can do better. 
I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Can. <laughs> You're pressing, darling. I can do that better, too. <laughs> Any age you can be, I can be younger. I can be younger than you'll ever be. 32. 31. 25. 23. 21. 19 and a half, 18 and a half, 16 and a half. Is that your age, Tallulah, or your shoe size? <laughs> I can fill a sweater. I can fill it better. I am known for glamour. I am known for drama. I can do most anything. Can you pronounce Ed Hurley high? No, neither can I. Any note you can sing, I can sing lower. Why, I can sing any note lower than you. No, you can't. Uh, yes, I can. No, you can't. Uh, yes, I can. No, you can't. Uh, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Many brave hearts are asleep in the deep. So Bravo, 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 bravo. Yeah, I forgot which was which to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I'm half safe. Oh, you're having a good time, Mark. <laughs> Delightful, positively uncanny. Tell me about her, about Joan Davis. She seems such a very nice girl. How did she t come to be in the stage business, such a nice girl? Well, uh, uh, she comes from a family of actors. Oh, the Davis family, I see. And, uh, and you like Joan Davis, huh? But, but the other sister you don't like. That's not Joan's sister, darling. That's her mother. But before we go on with more of our highlights, this would be as good a time as any to ring my silver anniversary chime. Three chimes of silver. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. This is The Big Show, Act 3. This portion brought to you by Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, and Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. And by Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Get something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. Tallulah Bankhead will be here in a moment, but first, here's something of interest to you. For breathless moments, for your breathless moments. Chew dentine, the gum with <gasps> breath.
breathtaking flavor. Dentine tastes so good. Dentine freshens your breath. Dentine helps keep your teeth sparkling clean and white. Dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Before you go out and always after eating, drinking, smoking, refresh your breath with Dentine. You'll love Dentine chewing gum. For dentine has a wonderful, tingling, nippy flavor that lingers on and on. It's delicious. And remember, dentine helps keep your teeth white, too. Keep dentine handy. You'll enjoy refreshing your breath when you chew dentine. So, for breathless moments, for your breathless moments, chew dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Now here again is Tallulah Bankhead. Molly. Yes, Tallulah. We have someone on the show this week who's been on the big show before, and every time he was on, he was a highlight. And since we're reviewing some of the highlights, what could be more fitting than to bring on a little fella with a big talent, Jackie Miles? Thank you very much, Lola. Gee, it's a wonderful thrill closing up 1951 being on your show. And this has been a wonderful year all the way around. As a matter of fact, yesterday was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had a perfect day. I hit a 22-horse parley. <laughs> I made myself a day yesterday. The full report hasn't even come in yet. I got six accountants working. <laughs> and their latest estimate is that I made myself for the day $3,762,000, which isn't bad money even if you pay your taxes. Three minutes, and I'm only kidding about winning. Actually, I gotta tell you, my resolution for 1952, no gambling. Just because of what happened to me a short time ago, I'll never forget this if I live to be a million, and I know I look like I got three days to go. <laughs> I was standing in the lobby of my hotel, that's where I was sleeping, in the lobby standing. <laughs> and I got up early that day, the fellow next to me moved, and I fell. It was one of those bad days, the fellow next to me moved. A, a racetrack tout walked up to me, and for those of you people who don't know what a racetrack tout is, I'd like to explain. A racetrack tout is a fellow with a loud suit that should drop dead. <laughs> I never saw this bum before in my life. He walked up to me and he said, Psst. Well, if you don't know a fella, you get scared. <laughs> so I said, uh, What do you want? The tout looked at me and he said, Kid, uh, I got a horse. So I said, So take a ride. <laughs> the tout looked at me and he said, Kid, he said, uh, You want to get rich? I said, I'll tell you the truth, I just got used to being poor and <laughs> I don't want to break in any new habits. <laughs> well, the tot looked at me and he said, kid, I took a liking to you. Bet blue boy in the fifth. Well, here I was with a hot tip of being an actor, no money, but I didn't worry about money because I knew where I could get it. There's a friend of mine advertises over the radio. Do you need money? <laughs> Eight, nine times a day, this fellow worries about me. And I, such a nice fellow. He says, do you need $300 in a hurry? He can't stand it if I have to wait. <laughs> so I figured this was an easy touch. I went up to see him. When I got there, there was a girl sitting in the outer office with thick glasses. And as I walked in, she said to me, what do you want? You know, like she didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> but I'm no dope. I was brought up in a pool room. I figured I better not say anything to her because maybe the fella didn't tell her what he's doing with the money. <laughs> so I just blew on her glasses, they steamed up, she couldn't see anything, and I snuck inside. <laughs> when I got inside, this guy was sitting there, I walked up and I said, I'd like $100, which I thought was very nice of me, you know, saving them 200 <laughs> 
Would you believe it? He started to ask me questions and he even asked me for security. What could I give them for security? You people think this is my real right arm? They got it. They threw my grandmother in a dungeon and they gave me the money. Now, I had the money and I walked to the nearest horse room. I got there in time. There was a little fellow making a bet in front of me. I could tell it was the first time he'd ever made a bet. He said to the bookmaker, $5 on Yellow Street. Bookmaker said to win. Little guy said, what then? To lose. <laughs> bookmaker said, I mean, you want to put it on the horse's nose. The little guy said, on the whole horse. <laughs> he said, front, back, and in the middle. It might come in sideways. Well, the little fella made his bet. I walked up to the bookie and I said, $100 on Blue Boy, gave him the money, and I smiled laconically. Whatever that means. <laughs> he took my money, looked at me, and he laughed sardonically. I found out what that means. <laughs> so I lost the money and I lost the race. I'm not going to worry. Let the finance company worry. They got lawyers and everything. I'm in this thing alone. <laughs> what could they do me? Write me letters? I got nothing to read in the morning anyway. <laughs> I gave up Dick Tracy when I thought it was a crooked cop. <laughs> Don't worry about a finance company. I only borrowed $100. I paid them back $312. I still owe them $716. <laughs> and I haven't seen my grandmother yet. <laughs> Don't worry about what I owe them when the United States government owes the taxpayers of the nation, which I am one of. I smoke. The government will owe me at the end of this fiscal year and the deficit of the national budget, 328 billion and a couple of lousy 100 million. <laughs> Have I ever said one word? I've been a doll about the whole thing. <laughs> I told the government, you wanna start another project and build a bridge across the Mississippi River lengthwise? some silly things. Let's face it, like the tax plans we live under. They've got one plan called pay as you go. Who needs it? Every time it came time to pay, I went. <laughs> and they got that estimated income tax. You gotta guess how much you're gonna make. It isn't tough enough to make it, guess how much. <laughs> I did the only thing you could do with that. I filled it out, sent it in, but I didn't sign my name. <laughs> I figured if I gotta guess how much I'm gonna make, let them guess who sent it. Thank you very much and a happy new year. Bravo, Jackie. I mean, bravo. Now, I've forgotten which is which. Uh, but while I'm reassembling my thoughts, let's hear Bing Crosby sound off for Chesterfield. <laughs> Friends, take a tip from Brother Bing. Get on the ball, get in the swing. Chesterfield is on the move with something smokers all approve. Mildness plus, no aftertaste. Mildness plus, no aftertaste. No unpleasant aftertaste in Chesterfield. That's right. From Florida to Oregon, Chesterfield salesmen are on the run, bringing dealers fresh supplies of the smoke that satisfies Chesterfield. 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 Minor, 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 minor. Chesterfield. That's right. Yes, Chesterfield is the smoke for you. They're milder, better tasting too. Chesterfield now sets the pace with no unpleasant aftertaste. So here's what we want you to do. Right now. Yes, here's what we want you to do. Right now. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Oh, sound off. For Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. 
You know, Molly, one of the highlights every week on our program is the music of Meredith Wilson and the big show Orchestra and Chorus. Tallulah, every time we listen to your show, I always say to Rosalie, you hear, darling, listen. Listen to that music. Pay attention to the Adantes and the Allegros. And, and Rosalie, darling, if you'll practice, if you'll practice, maybe someday you'll be Meredith Wilson. That's a frightening thing to say to a child. <laughs> One piece she learned to play just by listening to Meredith Wilson's orchestra. What's the name of it? It fell out of my head just now. Uh, a person should never walk around by themselves. Oh, uh, you mean you'll never walk alone? Yeah, that's the one. All right, Molly. That's the one we'll have Meredith Wilson. And he will play Earl Lawrence's great arrangement of Rodgers and Hammerstein's You'll Never Walk Alone from Carousel. Meredith, if you and the Oxford course are ready, if you please, my darlings.
highlight of this or any other show. Well, Molly, what would you like to hear next, darling? Oh, Tallulah, I'm still entranced from that beautiful music. Like my Rosalie would say, that Meredith Wilson brings me. <laughs> sends you. Well, if he sends me, I'll be glad to go. <laughs> if he wants me to go with him, I'll go with him. That's what I always like on your show, when the actors and actresses, they get so friendly and become such chumps. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. That's oh, sure, mean. darling. I remember. But something like this. Hey, Tallulah. Yes, Joan. I just don't understand you. New York is a big town, and you can have your choice of so many men to be on the show. But who do you wind up with? Those two over there, Jackie Miles and Fred Allen. Look at them. Arsenic and old face. <laughs> Look at him. Go ahead, force yourself. I have advantage over you, darling. I can take off my glasses and make them disappear. <laughs> hey, Jackie. Yes, Fred? Get a load of those two over there. With all of the beautiful new models running around town, we get stuck in a used car lot. <laughs> take a gander at those two over there. I can't. I don't have my dinner yet. <laughs> As a rule, I'm not too particular, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, when a guy's on a show, he likes to date one of the girls. Well, you can't say these girls aren't dated. <laughs> Tallulah, if one of them tries to make a date with me, I'm going to be taken suddenly drunk. Well, if they do ask us, darling, we'll just try to think of them as Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. <laughs> Wow, what an imagination it's going to take with those two. Oh, it's easy. I do it all the time. I just close my eyes like this and I say, Oh, Clark. Oh, Gregory. Oh, Clark. Oh, Gregory. Gregory, please. Look at those two over there. They look like Clark Gable and Gregory Peck. <laughs> Friend. Well, not much of a one, Jackie, but go ahead. When I go out with a girl that I don't like, I close one eye and think of Rita Hayworth. What do you do with the other eye? I'm driving. Oh. <laughs> Dad gave me the car, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> now I'm thinking of Rita Hayworth. Come in, Rita. Come in, Rita. Come in. Roger. Okay, Fred, you think of one. You can think of Linda Darnell. All you gotta say is, ah, oh, Linda. Ah, oh, Linda. Ah, oh, Rita. Look at those two, Joan. They look like Marjorie Maine and Zazu Pitts. <laughs> Tallulah, uh, what do you admire most in a man? Well, second, uh... Tallulah. <laughs> I've changed my mind. Uh -huh. I think I'll go over and make a date with one of them. Well, good luck, Joan. I'll bet you don't make it. Well, I'll bet I do. I've got a scheme that always works. See you later. Duck, Fred, here comes Joan Davis. She does look like a duck, doesn't she? <laughs> well, hi, you fellas. Glad to see you. Now, which one of you fellas is going to take me out after the show tonight? Well, don't fight over me, fellas. There's enough here for everybody. <laughs> well, okay. That's the way you feel. I guess I'll do what I always do after being on this show. I'll just go chidooing after the show. Chidooing after the show? What's chidooing after the show? Nothing, and that's a date. How do you like that trap and by a corny joke? <laughs> you 
Here's something you should know if you ever suffer from the sudden pain of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. It is a way to ease the pain, often within a few minutes. A way that is incredibly fast and effective. It's Anison. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people were first introduced to Anison through their own physicians or dentists. But today, these tablets are in such widespread use that all drug counters have them, and anyone may enjoy their benefits. Next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, by all means, try Anison. You'll like the convenience of Anison tablets, and you'll be delighted with Anison's incredibly fast action. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison. Ask for Anison by name today at your druggist's. Well, Molly, darling, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the year. Yes, Tallulah. Time does not stand still for anybody. Present company accepted, Tallulah. <laughs> Another year, a new year ahead of us. What are we going to do with it, Molly? Why, Tallulah, if I only knew the answer. The best we can do is to wish for the best. Do you ever wish you were somebody else, Molly? No, I'm very happy being what I am. Who could I wish I was? I might wish I was somebody that Jake didn't like. <laughs> but I, I guess everybody sometimes wishes he was someone else. I bet everybody in our cast has had that wish now and then. Let's try putting it to Len Murray's catchy little tune, I Wish I Was. Maybe we can all wish ourselves into something real nice for the new year. Meredith, do you want to start us off? What do you wish you were? Well, I tell you, Tallulah, I wish I was a monkey in the zoo. In the zoo. I wish I was a monkey in the zoo. In the zoo. If I's a monkey in the zoo, then I'd look out and laugh at you. I wish I was a monkey in the zoo. I hope it'll be tell us what you'd like to be. I hope it'll be tell Tallulah what you'd like to be. Joan Davis, darling, what do you wish you were? I wish I was a handsome guy, oh gee. Oh gee. I wish I was a handsome guy, oh gee. Oh gee. If I's a handsome guy, oh gee, I'd turn around and marry me. I wish I was a handsome guy, oh gee. I hope it'll be Tell Tallulah what you'd like to be Jackie Mouse, how about you? What do you wish you were? I wish I was a comic like that Burl Like Burl I wish I was a comic like that Burl Like Burl If I's a comic like that Burl I'd also dress up like a girl I wish I was a comic like that Burl I hope it'll be Georgie Gibbs, how about you? What do you wish you were? I wish I was a patient with the flu. With the flu. I wish I was a patient with the flu. With the flu. If I was a patient with the flu, I'd sing my songs just like Tallulah. <laughs> patient with the flu. I hope you leave me Tallulah what you'd like to be. How about you, Fred, darling? What do you wish you were? 
I wish I was an orange on a shelf. On a shelf. I wish I was an orange on a shelf. On a shelf. If I was an orange on a shelf for breakfast, I would squeeze myself. I wish I was an orange on a shelf. I hope it'll leave me. Lula, what you'd like to be. Now let me see now. Who hasn't been up yet? Molly Goldberg, my darling. What do you wish you were? Wish I was as single as to lose. As to lose. I wish I was as single as to lose. As to lose. If I was as single as to lose, I wish that Jake was single too. I wish I was as single as to lose. I hope we meet. Tell the what you'd like to be. Next, Portland Harper, sweetie. What do you wish you were? I wish I was a puppet on TV. TV. I wish I was a puppet on TV. TV. I wouldn't have to do a thing till someone came and pulled my string. I wish I was a puppet on TV. I hope you leave me. Tell Lula what you'd like to be. All right, Johnny Johnson, you're up to bat. What do you wish you were? I wish I was a psychoanalyst. Analyst! I wish I was a psychoanalyst. Analyst! If I was a psychoanalyst, Tallulah would surely head my list. I wish I was a psychoanalyst. I hope it'll be well, that's it, darlings. That takes care of everybody. Oh, no, Tallulah. You can't get away with that. I hope it'll be. Tell the people what you'd like to be. Oh, all right. I wish there was a million parts of me. Parts of me. I wish there was a million parts of me. Parts of me. If there's a million parts of me, I'd thank each one of you personally. I wish there was a million parts of me. I hope it'll be that is what we'd like to be. I hope it'll be that is what we'd like to be. Well, darlings, that brings us to the close of our New Year's show. Next week, our guests will be Bob Carroll, Joan Davis, and a wonderful person coming all the way from England, Vera Lynn, Jimmy Nelson, Claude Rains, Herb Schreiner, and others, and of course, our very own Meredith Wilson and the Big Show Orchestra and Chorus. Until then, may the good Lord bless and keep you for the near far away Georgia may you find that long-awaited golden day today Joan may your troubles all be small ones and your fortunes ten times ten Jackie may the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again Portland. May you walk with sunlight shining and 
And a bluebird in every tree Molly, may there be a silver lining Back of every cloud you see Meredith Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows Never mind what might have been Fred May the good Lord bless and keep you Till we meet again, Johnny May you long recall each rainbow Then you'll soon forget the rain May the warm and tender memories Be the ones that will remain Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows Never mind what might have been May the good Lord bless and keep you Until we meet again Godspeed to our armed forces everywhere. A safe and happy new year, darlings. This portion of the big show has been brought to you by Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, and Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. By Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Get something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. The first half hour of the big show is presented by the makers of Reynolds Aluminum, the Reynolds Metals Company, who also bring you the Kate Smith Evening Hour on the NBC television network. The big show is produced and directed by D. Engelbach, and written by Goodman Ace, Selma Diamond, George Foster, Mort Green, and Frank Wilson. The chorus is directed by Ray Charles. Special musical arrangements by Sidney Fine and Phil Moore. This is Ed Hurley He saying good night. Enjoy Mirth and Music with Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on NBC.